Hey guys, welcome back to the show. Today we're going to be talking about Disney's apparently problematic programming. Now since Disney Plus launched, I feel like a lot of people, myself included, have been taking a bit of a trip down memory lane and watching some of the old cartoons that we grew up with. Because after all, nostalgia is a heck of a thing. You know how when you were a kid that Santa's workshop your parents took you to seemed like such a magical place and you had so much fun there it felt like it was literally too perfect to be real? But when you look back at the pictures from those trips you can't help but notice that the Santa looks kinda seedy sorta drunk, and the workshop was actually just the abandoned barn outside town with some fake snow and a pregnant teenager dressed as an elf. The point I'm trying to make is that sometimes the things we loved as kids aren't actually as great as we remember them to be. So today we're going to be asking ourselves if that's true for Disney movies. But first, I have a quick message from our sponsor, Black Rifle Coffee Company. Black Rifle Coffee Company is a veteran-owned and operated premium small batch roast-to-order coffee company for people who love America. They import only the highest quality beans from around the world and always roast-to-order their coffees for you after you place an order to ensure that you receive the freshest coffee available. And did you know that giving the gift of coffee Coffee can actually help alleviate procrastination. Throughout the month of December, Black Rifle Coffee Company is releasing the best product bundles in America. It's one-stop shopping for everyone on your list. Plus, did I mention that Black Rifle Coffee Company has a special limited edition holiday roast? That's right, don't forget to pick some up for number one. You've worked hard this year, you deserve it. The best way to enjoy this freedom-filled coffee is with the Black Rifle Coffee Club. You choose the amount and the blends that you crave and they offer it to you at a special discounted price ship free directly to your home or office every month. Wake up to America's coffee by going to blackriflecoffee.com slash Lauren. That's blackriflecoffee.com slash Lauren. Enter the discount code Lauren and you'll receive 20% off your first order of any coffee products, including Black Rifle Coffee Club. So as I was saying, a pretty common part of growing up is realizing that maybe the things you grew up with weren't as magical as they seemed. And now that so many people are revisiting old Disney classics, some people are starting to wonder if maybe they aren't kinda racist. We're gonna get to the more modern, like, 90s era films in just a second, but what people need to understand is that Disney has been making animations for, like, 80 years. And regardless of how far PC culture has gone in the past five or so years, which, again, we'll get to, I think it's pretty safe to say that the sensibilities of the 1940s were in fact pretty different than what they are today. It just, it is true that earlier Disney films had absolutely no problems weaving in what today would be considered grossly inappropriate cultural depictions to their films. The most common examples of this are the Siamese cats from Cinderella, the Native American tribe in Peter Pan, and of course, the seemingly African-American crows from Dumbo. We are Siamese, if you please. We are Siamese if you don't please. I seen a peanut stand and heard a rubber band. I seen a needle that winked its eye. But I be done seen about everything when I see an elephant fly. If Tiger Lily not back by sunset, burn them at stake. Yeah, you uh, can't really get away with making that kind of stuff 
in 2019. But if those films were dicey, well then, Song of the South is a whole other headache entirely. You see, Song of the South, which Disney has tried its best to remove from its canon, was released in 1946, and it seems to a lot of people to portray a happy plantation in the South, complete with a wealthy white family and black, well, I mean, they're not specifically mentioned as, as slaves, but it it, it kind of seems like they were slaves. Lord, Miss Sally, Johnny didn't mean no harm. He just tried to be like Brer Rabbit. I told him a tale about the tar baby, and he just got a little bit too bodacious and outreached himself, that's all. Uncle Remus, I'm trying my best to bring up Johnny to be obedient and truthful. But you and your stories are making that very difficult. I know you mean well, Uncle Remus, but Johnny's too young. Miss Sally... I'll have to ask you not to tell him any more. The reason I bring these films up isn't to shame Disney for these movies. They came out a long time ago. But the thing is, with the release of Disney+, Plus, these films pose some challenging questions for the present. Like, should they be made available for streaming along with all of Disney's other titles? And if so, should they be altered to remove any quaint grandparent racism. Well, with Song of the South, Disney made the decision decades ago to try to bury it. It was never even released on home video, and no, it is not available on Disney+. And aside from that, there are other features which Disney has already edited to make more palatable. The Siamese cats have had their song cut out of Lady and the Tramp, and one scene from Fantasia which featured a centaur that, I mean, yeah kinda looked exactly like a caricature of a black slave, has been edited out for obvious reasons. For most of their old films though, Disney has instead chosen to add disclaimers warning audiences about the content of the films. As Time reports, quote, Disney's new streaming service has added a disclaimer to Dumbo, Peter Pan, and other classics because they depict racist stereotypes, underscoring a challenge media companies face when they resurrect older movies in modern times. The disclaimer reads, this program is presented as originally created. It may contain outdated cultural depictions. For some though, these disclaimers don't go far enough in warning people about the horrendous content that they're about to see. According to the CBC, Eve Tuck, an indigenous professor of education at the University of Toronto, said that, quote, warning of outdated cultural depictions isn't enough. To say outdated suggests they were okay at the time, but the truth is they were never okay. They were racist then and they're racist now. She also thought that Disney's disclaimer could be more direct. The more honest and responsible language would be that it includes racist and inaccurate depictions. Tuck said that part of the problem is that these stereotypes can seep out into the real world and affect how we interact with each other. In my opinion, honestly, Disney is in a lose-lose situation here. People are criticizing them for keeping these movies up on their streaming service, but I'm pretty sure that if they were to remove this questionable content from their library entirely, they would definitely be accused of whitewashing their history or something to that effect. And that's not to mention that if they do get rid of these movies, it would probably lead to a slippery slope in which people begin questioning why some films but not others have been removed until pretty much all of their content pre 2010 has been erased. I think the whole disclaimer thing is pretty unnecessary personally, but in an era of everyone being outraged all the time, I do get that they probably needed to do 
something like that to placate the perpetually offended? Oh, so you think racist depictions belong in children's movies? Is that it? No, but if you look at all the things people are mad at Disney for, you'll notice they're not blanket statements of racial supremacy or inferiority or anything like that. They're exaggerated racial and cultural depictions. And I'm not saying that those things are okay or good, but I just really don't think that a child watching these movies now would look at those crows or the Siamese cats and think, Oh, oh, hey, those are parodying racial minorities. And if anyone does get the racial context of those things, then hopefully they'll also be old enough to know that these movies are ultimately a product of a different era. And obviously, there are going to be people who think we'd be better off just altering the films or heck, getting rid of them entirely. But personally, I'm not a fan of sterilizing historic media to fit modern sensibilities. Do I think Dumbo in its entirety must be mandatory viewing for all children? No, if you don't want your kid to watch this stuff because it makes you uncomfortable, then fine, that's your call. But the idea that Dumbo is apparently so offensive, so terrible that it just shouldn't be available to anyone anywhere anymore is a bit too close to censorship or book burning for my liking. Now, okay, I'd say most people today can probably look at the Happy Mary Slave Plantation film and say, eh, I don't know if that's the best thing for kids to be watching, but what about films like The Little Mermaid, Aladdin, and Pocahontas? Those films are new enough that they were released, or at least still really popular, during most of our childhoods, and if that's not the case for you, because technically people born in 2000 are already, like, 19, then stop it, you're making me feel old and you can just, you can go away. It's reasonable to think that within 80 years, our perceptions of what is and what is not appropriate for children or really anyone to watch has changed. But it's a little harder to wrap our heads around the idea that within a single generation, things that were previously okay have now become suddenly bigoted. According to some people though, that's exactly what's happened. In a viral article, student Lauren Robertson writes that in the classic Aladdin, quote, right smack bang in the middle of the opening song, Agrabah, or Arabland, is described to be barbaric, but hey, it's home. Aladdin is a white fantasy with mispronounced Arabic words and has nonsense scribbles as writing. They also have American accents. I totally thought Jasmine was cool when I was a kid, but in reality, she just bats her eyelids, gets stuck in a big sand timer, terrifying, and cries into her tiger's fur. I'm gonna tell you guys exactly what I think about that in just a second, but first, here's a quick message from Quip. The holiday shopping season is here, and this year, your gift can start next year's good habit with Quip. Quip is sure to put a smile on everyone's mouth because it's dental care they'll actually want to use every day. That's why Quip is the perfect thoughtful and practical gift with an electric toothbrush, refillable floss, and toothpaste all intentionally designed to make good habits simple. The Quip electric toothbrush has sensitive sonic vibrations and a timer with 30 second pulses to guide your routine and the Quip floss dispenser has pre-marked strings so you always use the right amount. Plus, Quip Quip delivers brush heads, floss, and toothpaste refills every three months. So join Quip's over 3 million happy customers and check everyone off your gift list right now with Quip. Quip really is one of the most comfortable and deep cleaning toothbrushes that I have ever used. You guys are hopefully already using a toothbrush every single day, so why not choose one that helps you support the show and establish healthy oral habits? Just go to getquip.com chen to save on gift sets and to get your first refill free with a refill plan. 
That's your first refill free at getquip.com slash Chen. That's getquip.com slash Chen. This isn't the first time I've heard people complain about the cultural insensitivity when it comes to Aladdin, but before anyone can call it racist, what they need to understand, and this is very important here, is that Agrabah is a fantasy land. It's not real, the same way Arendelle in Frozen isn't real, or whatever the heck place that Prince Eric is prince of in The Little Mermaid isn't real. And the funny thing is that the decision to base Aladdin in a made-up place was probably at least in part motivated by the idea that if it's not real, people may be less sensitive about the way it's portrayed. But the problem there is that decision was made before 2019, in which everything is offensive. And what I also find strange is that this writer seems to be confused as to whether she wants the movie to be less realistic or more realistic. Like, yes, the writing isn't actually Arabic or any other real language, and they have American accents, which is not realistic. But she also calls this movie a white fantasy, as if they had straight up just set the story in like Iraq under British colonial rule and turned it into some white savior story, a la Avatar, where instead Aladdin is some British guy named Nigel. And she also takes issue with this made up place being characterized as barbaric, but it's like, honey, if you actually want this movie to be an accurate representation of the Middle East hundreds of years ago, you know, you just know Princess Jasmine would have been stoned or honor killed some way for trying to escape from the palace. So like, is, is that what you want? Is that what you would like to see from this Disney movie? And this brings us to her criticisms of Jasmine not being strong-willed or cool enough as she remembers her being as a kid. Aladdin is Aladdin's story. Hence why it's called Aladdin and not Jasmine. Jasmine is an okay character, though she's still trying to break out and be herself and all that phony self-empowerment stuff we feel the need to force down little girls' throats nowadays. But it is true that she isn't like Lara Croft or some uber-feminist icon. She's not the leader of the story, she's not the one swooping in to save the day, but... I don't even think that's necessarily a bad thing. It just doesn't really make sense to me when complaining about a movie to say that this one particular character, ah, uh, I wish they were just a, a different character and served a completely different role in the film entirely. I mean, okay, it's fine that you feel that way, but it's just, it would be a totally different movie then. I'm not saying that Aladdin was perfect here, because it definitely wasn't. It's just that all these complaints this writer has don't really relate to the cinematic value of the film or the plot or anything like that. They're more just instances in which the film has failed to live up to 2019 standard of wokeness, which I think is a stupid lens to judge a film by. Now this brings us to a discussion of Pocahontas. Yeah. As Jessica Mason writes in the article Revisiting Pocahontas, quote, The myth of how Pocahontas saved John Smith from execution by her father is similar to the story of the first Thanksgiving in that it paints a rosy picture of harmony and acceptance between European colonists and Native Americans that ignores and minimizes the following genocide of Native peoples and white theft of their land. The legend of Pocahontas, the person, is just that. An American legend that lets us sleep better at night. In reality, she was a young girl that was probably just part of a ritual to initiate John Smith, and she eventually married a different white man, John Rolfe, and converted to the faith of the people that would eventually destroy her home before dying alone far from home in England. It can be argued that when Disney sticks to pure fantasy in the form of fairy tales, comics, and space opera, the studio is at its best. But when they try to put the magical spin on real, messy history, 
things get problematic. She continues that Pocahontas is a beautifully made film in many ways, but its race-blind utopian ambitions bog it down into the pinnacle of a well-intentioned but ultimately kind of offensive and unhelpful white misstep. The movie certainly depicts racism and its characters use racist language, especially in the very icky song Savages, but the narrative is not on the side of those characters. While the villain of Pocahontas is Captain Ratcliffe, and it has a clear anti-capitalist message, okay, questionable there, but moving on, the fact that the whole story is about how both sides need to learn and get along is not great. Alright, so to tell you guys the truth, I actually think that the criticisms of Pocahontas, especially when compared to those of Aladdin, are pretty fair. There is plenty that I disagree with this author on, which we'll get to in just a second, but the fact that Pocahontas was a real person whose life wasn't exactly the most fairy tale of circumstances is a fair thing to bring up and wonder why Disney chose this story specifically to retell for children. One of the things that the author actually didn't mention in her piece is that in real life, I'm pretty sure that Pocahontas was around 13 when she met John Smith. John Smith was also, of course, much older than Pocahontas because that's just how things were done in the past. For many reasons, I do believe that Pocahontas is not the most child-friendly story to put forward. So on that kind of historical revisionist aspect, at least in regard to Pocahontas, Pocahontas specifically, I would say that, yeah, Pocahontas is actually problematic. However, even though Pocahontas's original story, her actual life, is not something I would necessarily think to tell to children as a fun bedtime story, I do have to say that Disney's film, their version of things as different from the source material as it may be, what they present to audiences I think is perfectly fine. Some think that presenting this not overtly or entirely hostile dynamic actually whitewashes the realities and the atrocities that happen to Native Americans. I'm not gonna say that terrible things weren't done to Native Americans by European settlers because they absolutely were, but at the same time, it's just, it's historically accurate to say that there was also trading and alliances that happened between certain tribes of Native Americans and certain groups of European settlers. As many bad things did happen to Native Americans, again, not arguing that, it's just not accurate to say that every single interaction between a Native American and European settler ended in, in murder because that's not what happened. And as much as people worry nowadays about whitewashing or minimalizing the atrocities that were done toward marginalized groups, I do also worry that we may be entering an era where people are quick to condemn literally any film unless it portrays Europeans historically in the most negative, bloodthirsty way possible. And regarding the author's criticism of the both sidesism in Pocahontas, i.e. the idea that both sides, the Native Americans and the European settlers, had to work on their hostility toward the other, ultimately the film has an anti-racist message. Even this author admits that. The moral of Pocahontas is that it's wrong to hate someone based on the color of their skin or the type of clothing that they wear. Essentially, she's just mad here that the Europeans weren't demonized as much as she thinks they should have been, but I feel like portraying the Native American tribe as this super peaceful people who had no violence or ill intent among them also runs the risk of being its own offensive stereotype. I'm pretty sure that's called the noble savage stereotype. At the end of the day, Pocahontas as a children's film conveys the message that all peoples and cultures are capable of both violence and compassion. 
which is accurate. I mean, I guess I'm sorry that Pocahontas doesn't live up to 2019 standards of vilifying white people. I could keep talking about Disney films for hours, but I think I'll leave it there for now. And as always, I would love to know what you guys think. Do you think Disney's older films should be censored or removed from Disney Plus entirely? And what do you think of their more recent films like Pocahontas and Aladdin? Do they still hold up to today's standards of acceptability? Let me know, but that's it for now. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and I'll see you next time.